Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and three things up for review this week. First up is The Batman, or The Batman, which is the newest film in the Cape Crusader cinematic universe. And then there's After Yang, which is a new sort of sci-fi, but also family meditative introspective film. It's out in theaters, but also on Showtime. And finally, there's the pirate comedy Our Flag Means Death. First up is The Batman, and this is going to be a spoiler-free review, but let's also be honest. If you were hyped for this movie, it doesn't matter what I say. You were going to go see it anyway. The only people who would maybe benefit from this review are people who are on the fence, so this is mostly going to be for them. I, I gotta say, you know, Batman is not my favorite superhero, etc. If you listen to the Round at Table episode, we watched Batman 1989 through Batman and Robin, and... Batman is sometimes the worst character in Batman movies, comics, etc. It's the people of Gotham who are more interesting more often than that. I will say, I guess Bruce Wayne Batman is the least interesting. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, Robert Pattinson is playing Bruce Wayne as Batman. And when they announced that it was Robert Pattinson, I... I didn't go, ah, yes, that reads as Batman to me. But then again, you know, if somebody was really great, at, I don't think Christian Bale would have read as Batman to me before he took the role, but I actually think he ended up, for me, being a decent Batman. So I don't have a bias for or against Robert Pattinson. You know, I didn't watch Twilight, so I, I sort of avoided that hubbub. I think some of the choices he's made since in order to distance himself from that franchise have been certainly interesting. Some of them not a huge fan of, but it's it's more of like a personal taste thing. Like, you know, some of the safty work he's done I'm like, well, this is too intense. Uh, but, you know, it, I don't think he's a bad actor, but I don't know if it screams modern interpretation of superhero, but there's always the opportunity to redefine it. That all being said, I don't think this movie redefines what Batman is. You know, again, having gone back and watched some of the earlier campier ones and then being more familiar with the Nolan ones and now watching Matt Reeves' version, it definitely falls into the Nolan camp. And I think the challenge is coming off of, you know, even though we technically had Ben Affleck in between, coming off of the Nolan ones, if you're going to do dark, gritty Batman, it feels like it's just sort of mimicking what Christopher Nolan was trying to do. And they are different, you know, uh, Matt Reeves' version, The Batman, feels more like a comic book visually. I think he's trying to be more stylized. I feel like the Nolan ones took place in more of a real-world technology, you know, modern day for us, whereas this Matt Reeves one is, like, mostly modern, but then there are moments of sort of... not steampunk, that's not the right word, but there's sort of like an antiquated technology visual style sometimes. It's selective. It's It's very odd. And then... I think the other challenge, and I think this is the challenge of almost every Batman story, is because Bruce Wayne Batman is not always the most interesting, you know, they rely on the villains and the rogues gallery and the, the questionable morality people in between. And and then they try to cram too many of those storylines in because they want to get all these characters that we're generally familiar with. Actually, that's the other thing I will say about this movie is that you know, I, I actually appreciate, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but it's not one of those, like, we're going to reboot it from the very beginning. You're going to have to see that origin story again and again. You know, the pearls, the alleyway, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that it's not doing that, but it, it still sort of weirdly requires you to actually be familiar with the world of Batman. You know, there's a little bit of voiceover intro, etc. to get you into it, but you, you pretty much need to know 
or have some inkling of who Batman is, you know, his backstory, why he's doing what he's doing, all this stuff, why he dresses as a bat, you know, it's it's not bad or good, but it is, it was an interesting choice to make. And then again, this feeds into sort of needing to know who these villains and, and other players are in order to have the story take more significance. You know, so you've got Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, aka Catwoman. You've got Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot, or I can't even remember what they call him in this, but he's the Penguin. You know, Paul Dano is the Riddler, uh, John Turturro is Carmine Falcone, and then you've got Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, who's lieutenant in this, so he's not Commissioner Gordon yet. Andy Serkis is playing Alfred, which is a weird choice, and then Peter Sarsgaard is playing the district attorney, and Again, it's like, it's fine. The movie is three hours long. I felt like there was a lot they could have cut from it, but they were too obsessed with weaving together this complicated story of of all these, you know, villains and motivations and all this stuff. But I think if you had cut out one of them, it still would have been just as compelling and much cleaner, actually, instead of trying to be obsessed with like, oh, well, we have access to all of these characters. We've got to figure out how to tie them all together. I think that is the great peril of making a Batman story, right? Is having a great library of characters to choose from, but then you sort of get overwhelmed by being like well I want to use them all and and so I you know unfortunately I think this version falls victim to that I didn't have high expectations for it I didn't think it was going to be a bad movie you know but I wasn't like yeah I'm so stoked for this movie so for me you know it was fine again it was just very long that was my top takeaway is I wish it had been shorter I think if it had even been 30 minutes shorter I would have gone yeah all right this is much better than I expected but because it just kept dragging it sort of chipped away at the goodwill it had started to build with some of the foundational work so overall for me personally I'm still gonna give it a 3.7 out of 5 because I do think there are some moments that are really good I just wish they had taken a step back and gone do we really need all of these things it almost felt like Matt Reeves was afraid he might never get to play in the Batman sandbox again and so he was like I want to use all my favorites in one go just in case this is my only chance at this which I get it you know if I was in that position I'd probably be tempted by that too but 3.7 out of 5 for me I think if you are a huge hardcore Batman fan I I think there's going to be a lot of people who really enjoy this version of it uh, but I don't think this is going to be the one that is the water cooler moment where everyone's like ah yes now I'm into Batman so again 3.7 out of 5 I'm going to take a quick break and be right back and I'm back and then next is a film called after Yang. This one premiered at Sundance. It's out in theaters. It's also on Showtime, but you know, I kind of want to encourage people to see it in theaters. Although technically speaking, you know, Batman is a film designed to be in theaters. Uh, After Yang, you could probably get away with on Showtime. But anyway, it's a sort of sci-fi meditative story. It came out at Sundance. It's also got Colin Farrell. So it's a Colin Farrell double feature week. Uh, It's got Jodie Turner-Smith, Justin H. Min, Haley Lou Richardson, Sarita Chowdhury. And the premise is it takes place in the sort of near future. And Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner-Smith are married and they have an adoptive daughter who's Chinese and so they get a companion robot who's like a a brother robot basically who's like a young adult like 20s adult teen robot android character and his name is Yang I think technically he's called a techno sapien and what I did like about this movie is that you know it's it's futuristic sci-fi but in a very sort of simplified way like it's not suddenly flying cars and all these things it's just sort of like if technology eked into the world we live in right at this moment and you know it's a quiet film it's it's the opposite of the Batman in that sense right it's a very meditative 
give sort of quiet film. But anyway, so the android Yang starts to break down, which obviously makes this, the daughter very sad. And so Colin Farrell goes on this mission to figure out like, how can we, how can we save him? Can we save him? A lot of people are just encouraging him to, you know, exchange it for another version. So the film that starts to grapple with the question of what is it to be alive, right? Like, is this techno sapien alive? Is it a living thing? Or is it just a piece of technology, which is a conversation I love. I don't know if the film goes deep enough into that. But then the other side that it's trying to explore, and this is where it 100% got me, was, you know, uh, what does it mean to be Asian, right? So the character of Yang is grappling with that because he is a, a creation, essentially. The daughter is grappling with that because she's adopted into, you know, a, a very mixed family where she doesn't look like her parents. And then, you know, so in society, people are like, oh, who are your parents? It, 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 so there's a lot of really heavy themes, interesting heavy themes, not in a sad, heavy way, although there are definitely moments I cried. But yeah, like, what is it? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be Asian are two questions that I really appreciated this film exploring. And this is, it's going to be quite a month for Asian cinema because there's two more films coming that I'm like, wow, what a, what a, what an honor to be Asian. What a time to be an audience member and feel reflected on screen. So I think at the end of the day, this is one of those films that seeks to pose a question, but not necessarily answer it. It wants you as the audience to think about it, which I know can be off-putting for some people, but I think, you know, especially if you are Asian or Asian American, uh, actually, especially if you're Asian American, it's a great question. And the the way that the film displays that experience, I found very uh, thoughtful. Uh, and overall, like, this is a very sensitive film, which I don't know if we get enough of, right? It's quiet, it's sensitive, it's not big and flashy, but I think the acting performances are great. You know, uh, Justin Min is spectacular in this. And I think it also raises great questions about like, what does it mean to be a family? How do we define family? You know, is it your chosen family? family? Is it your genetic family? Or in this case, is it your techno-human family? I know all great stuff. Not always answered, but that's okay. I think it's okay to have a film like this that's well done, that asks questions that doesn't have to answer them. So I personally am going to give it 3.9 out of 5. And finally, I have a new series on HBO Max. It's called Our Flag Means Death. And it's executive produced by Taika Waititi. It stars Reese Darby from Flay of the Concords. It also stars Taika Waititi. It's got a huge comedy cast. It's about pirates. And, you know, this should really have been in my wheelhouse. I feel like it's just sort of my sense of humor with all the people they've cast and based on the sort of trailers I'd seen. But I've only seen the first three episodes, which just dropped. And it's a, it's a slower burn to get into than I expected. Reese Darby plays this sort of gentleman pirate who's trying to reinvent what it means to be a pirate in the 1700s. Taika Waititi's playing Blackbeard, and they've got this sort of colorful cast of characters who are their regular crew. It's like Joel Fry and, and Christian Nairn, Ewan Bremner. It's, it's people who like you've seen in other things that are character actors and then are like, oh yeah, I think I know who that is. And then there are a bunch of guest stars like Fred Armisen, Leslie Jones, and... So far, it's definitely a distinct sense of humor. There are moments that I find funny, but it wasn't as laugh out loud funny as I maybe thought it was going to be. And that's okay. Maybe it's just my expectations versus what it actually is supposed to be were misaligned. But so far, you know, I think I'm going to keep watching it, but it don't go into it thinking it's going to be like Thor Ragnarok level amusing, I guess, because I, I think we're hitting that point where when Taika Waititi puts his name on something, you know, there are now varying levels. It's not it's, it's not a bad show at all, but there are varying levels of quality. He's turning into sort of a Guillermo del Toro in the sense that it's great. He is trying to bring a lot of projects to the forefront. Something like Reservoir Dogs, I think, is a great example where he slapped his name on it. I don't know how involved he is, but what a great show. 
Whereas this, where he's not only producing it, exactly producing it, but he's in it, you know, he, his part in it has not come to uh, the light as much. So I, I have to withhold judgment on it. But it's not bad so far. I think if you watch the trailers, temper your expectations a little bit and then you'll enjoy it. If you watch the trailers and are like, I hate this, this is absolutely not for you. But but the first three episodes of Art Flag Means Death are streaming now on HBO Max. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.